0: All right, welcome everybody to my mom's office. Same decorations as last time. She's slacking. Um, we got Pastor Justin, Pastor Ross, and Pastor Paul here as an elder and and uh, pastor, or the same uh, Greek uh, positions. Um, we uh, we we've talked about this last week. We're just hoping to bring you a, a weekly video uh, and audio podcast, different formats to see, seek uh, to meet your needs. Um, we, we're we hoping our heart here is to actively engage uh, as a body in the text uh, that we're going to be preaching on that week. And so this week we sent some questions on our Facebook page ahead of time, told you the passage that we we're going to be looking at and said, hey, any questions you have or observations as you're reading the text. And then of course. So we get into a 35-minute sermon. We're not going to be able to cover everything in in that time period. And so some of this will even be on the other side of that sermon. What were some, um, maybe some questions that you had that weren't covered in the sermon or some places like application that we could dig a little bit deeper in some some time and space um, like this. So that's what we're here to do. We want to get beyond just passively listening to a sermon and actively engaging in God's word together. So we've got a couple of questions. Now, the most popular question by far that came out, uh, people wanted to know, demanding to know, um, was Jesus, if there were any miracles that defied um, our our conceptions of reality, how did Jesus ride on two different animals at the same time? Uh, Matthew chapter 21, um, it it says uh, down in verse 7, they brought the donkey and, and the colt, and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Now, Ross, how could Jesus sit on them? Yeah. Well, it's very easy, Justin, and what we're going to do right now is show
1: for the audience a demonstration of how that would work. So right. so, so Paul and Justin, why don't you pretend to be donkeys? And, uh, yeah. He gets to be Jesus. <laughs> yeah. What are you I'm, calling us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. so, no, uh, actually, that, that question, I mean, it's kind of funny, like... Uh, Question, but it's really in, in a lot of ways very commendable because it shows. I mean, as we were just talking a little bit earlier, like, I was my first glance reading of this passage, I did not even observe that there's actually two animals present. I've heard in Sunday school and flannel graph my whole life that Jesus rode a donkey that's <laughs> like into Jerusalem. So, so it shows, I think, uh, an ability to remove that uh, to remove a layer of familiarity that blinds us and show, like, okay, how it says two animals. But I am uh, so. But how is that possible? Well, I think uh, that while there are two animals present, I think they, they, just the just the the natural reading of the text would lead you to lead should lead us to believe that uh, the them that uh, that Matthew describes uh, when the the disciples come and take their cloaks off and put it on on the, in them and then Jesus sits on them. Uh, Jesus is sitting on plural cloaks not plural animals so uh, I think that's that's what's going on there and then in the story like Jesus rides and the donkey and the colt are right there next to each other obviously so I think it's just a w- easy way of referring to one animal but they're both both there so I don't think Jesus isn't that that great of
0: a miracle <laughs> <laughs> that would be impressive so. yeah the, the in the Greek said that the when he says on them uh plural that them was closer to the word for yeah. cloak than yeah. for donkey right. so that's actually what's being referenced
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. to yeah, that that's how you know that he's referring to the cloaks not the donkeys yeah yeah so take good. heart good.
2: Good. and then uh, all three other uh gospels
0: it's the, the cult or the younger that he's writing yeah. yeah that's good the unwritten one. animal yeah. Speci- they specify yeah so a couple other questions we had. Um, one was to we, we think about Jesus's arrival as king. Certainly not probably what the Jews would have thought of as he comes into Jerusalem on this donkey. But we know that's not the last time he's going to come. Um, he's coming again, and this second arrival will look very different. So the question is if Jesus. Claims to be uh, the king of peace, why don't we see or feel that peace right now? If he claimed in that first arrival to be bringing peace, um, we, we certainly, uh, we could look around in our world today, especially mm-hmm. in some of the events we're going on today, we don't see or feel all of that peace. Um, and then secondly, with that, how does the peace of Jesus, um, the peace that Jesus announces in his first entry to Jerusalem, point us toward hope, toward that second coming? And with that, we turn to Paul. Well, uh,
2: you know, there's a couple of revel- uh, other passages we'll probably get to here, too. But uh, comparing the two uh, arrivals, um, you know, we have the suffering servant, obviously, in the first arrival that Isaiah mm-hmm. talks yeah. about. And, and we have the everlasting king of promise, the Messiah, that really is you know, encompasses both. But his rule will definitely be more uh, visible in his second. Uh, we have the the Lamb of God, John one. Um, you know, in his first arrival, we have the Lion of Judah in Revelation five five. In his second arrival, so. You know, I I think the Bible is you know the Lion and the Lamb, the Everlasting King and the Suffering Servant are pretty good comparisons for them. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, like one of the one of the passages that I've that I don't know how it necessarily came to my mind, but as I've been thinking about this passage, uh, Hebrews nine chapter twenty or chapter nine verse twenty eight, where uh, the author of Hebrews is talking about the the eternality of Christ's suffer sacrifice uh, once for all, uh, and then he kind of ends that paragraph by saying uh, Jesus. In his first coming, he came to deal with sin, and he will return to save those who are who eagerly await. So, mm-hmm. uh, so there is, um, so in his arrival as king, what the, the peace that he is bringing is a dealing with sin, uh, and we, we often think of that as being the salvation that he offers. But he actually salvation in Hebrews chapter nine is used to talk about the salvation the the bringing the full orbed peace, the full orbed shalom, the full orbed rest that that uh, that the gospel promises. So mm-hmm. uh it's only in the second so in the first coming he's come to deal with sin and that's why he's a humble king and then the second coming he's he, he saves those yeah. uh and in the fullest extent of, of his that of his salvation comes in a second. But you're right, I think like that as you're saying that just the, the the paradox that's that is the gospel, the paradox that is even just the, the phrase "King Jesus" is a is a
0: paradox in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, we talk about you know the, the all often we talk about the already not yet aspects yeah. in prophecy and in um, the unfolding of God's revelation, especially what He's doing in yeah. Jesus. And I was thinking about the parallels with Israel, where when they receive salvation, they are they are they are rescued out of the bondage of Egypt, free mm-hmm. from slavery. And yet, there, there's a period of time where they're not yet right. in the promised land. Right. There's this period of waiting in the wilderness. And I think for us, we, we are free from sin, from its bondage. And yet, there is a, a, a way in which we have not yet crossed the Jordan into God's promised land uh, in his presence. So, Jesus has inaugurated his kingdom. He's freed us from sin. And yet, when he comes back that second time, we're going to see the full reality of, of being in his presence. Yeah yeah
1: for sure for sure but i think anytime we read that like we we read this like it i mean it it almost should should stir us like it should stir us to a hope to the the day that we will see jesus not riding on a donkey with cloaks you know but he's coming on a white horse Mm -hmm. wielding a sword like that is that is a riveting hope and there, you know in jerusalem Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of confusion who is this guy what's going on yeah there's not going to be any confusion there's not going to be any like Mm-hmm. it will be public, it will be loud and clear who this is and what he's come to do. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, and you, you've got a Revelations passage, 1911-21, you know, and he is coming to rule, but he's also coming to finalize punishment mm-hmm. and to uh, avenge God's wrath. But, you know, you can look at, take a positive spin to that and look at, you know, the wrath of God is being exercised to conform all things to his will. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you know, it 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 it's not necessarily you know how we often think of wrath.
0: It's it's a it's a cleansing and a a perfecting. So. Yeah, and how um, what do we see with the people there? Um, unmet expectations like they're ready for jesus to let's do this let's take out the romans their idea of salvation looked very different from what he came to actually bring and i think in this time period it's easy for us or for the world to go you're saying that jesus is the king you're 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 saying you know you're these free people and often throughout human history christians have looked anything but free and so they're i think we are also experiencing an aspect of like is this you know is this is this king jesus on the throne well and that
2: gets to a point that ross has asked in this question uh that we were, were we're we're preparing for is why you know why don't we feel that peace right now mm-hmm. and as i thought through that um you know either there's reasons we don't feel peace i mean maybe you're not repenting, mm-hmm. or maybe you have unconfessed sin mm-hmm. but i mean in matthew 10 34 through 36 jesus has said i i didn't come to bring peace but a sword so i mean mm-hmm. there's a paradoxical left yeah yeah there and of course paul says we wrestle we wrestle we do wrestle
1: yeah. not
2: against flesh and blood which i think we do that too mm-hmm. but also in the powers of darkness and uh the spiritual forces of evil yeah, okay. so though there there are ways to have to
0: reconcile our, our unpeacefulness now mm-hmm. Yeah. and 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 to know that it is available now and just like for them it wasn't nationalistic conquering of other nations for us that doesn't mean that peace right now means that there will be no war mm-hmm. you know it doesn't mean that we won't have tension with even other relationships in our lives but it does mean that we can experience that peace that passes understanding Paul talks about in Philippians 4 that is available to yeah. us right now at all times that rest yeah. and peace in Christ yeah. is here yeah yeah that's so good yeah, yeah yeah I think that one thing that is
1: true of in both of his entries into to Jerusalem or you know his first coming and his second coming is he is in whether or not he looks like it in both he is still the sovereign lord he still is that that prince of peace so uh, even though it looks differently and his the circumstances might always might always might not always jive with our experiences mm-hmm. like uh, he is bringing about his peace through suffering through mm-hmm. Piece through through that. So I think in, in uh, even in the already not yet, even in that in between time, we rest mm-hmm. in who we know He is, like the, the 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 sovereign, faithful One who has it under control. It's hidden now, but it will
0: be revealed. Amen. Yeah. Our last question, Um, we talked about last week, Ross preached about Jesus flipping over tables in the temple. Uh, Jesus showed off a little bit of his righteous anger, uh, certainly taking names. And what we see is that um, this, the corruption he saw in the temple um, also signified that he has come to be ultimate fulfillment of the temple and where we saw corruption there we will only see um you know pure worship in in Jesus and um as as God in body um becomes that that fulfillment of the temple he deserves all of that praise and so we talked about you know we no longer um, praise the Lord have to get on a plane and fly to Jerusalem uh to well, we never did that, but uh, <laughs> we're, not, we're not to go to the temple in Jerusalem, it doesn't exist anymore, to to worship God. That's done, as Jesus says, in spirit and truth, that we are now his temples and that there can be worship done uh, wherever we are with Christ. But we know that we are um, sinners and there are times where we're going to miss the mark of right worship, just like we saw in the temple. Um, so, so how how are ways maybe in our lives that we see um, that we are prone to miss that right worship, and how do we guard against that self-seeking worship? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think um, you know I mentioned a couple examples uh, on on Sunday, but I think anytime we're uh, we're using worship as a tool uh, to serve our own ends, we are we are in many ways walking in the footsteps of this of the broken of God's people in, in the days of the Pharisees in the, in the first century. So, um, and I think we do that in a lot of ways. It's very subtle. We do, and, uh, and it extends up beyond just the 30 minutes that we have to sing songs on, on Sunday morning, but it certainly would include those, those kinds of religious practices as we're concerned primarily with how people are viewing us or how we are, uh, we're seen in the eyes of others rather than, uh, Rather than in God's eyes, I think we manipulate. We use worship as a tool uh, to uh, to serve our own ends, rather than to serve the end that God intended, which
2: is His own glory. Mm-hmm. So, but I'd be curious to know kind of what some of you guys. Well, you know what? What about. came to my mind, and it often comes to my mind because it's one of the most concise verses that it just always comes back to me is Micah six eight. Hmm. You know. What does God require of us to act justly? The opposite of that would be the easy grace, faith without works, which would be an inappropriate worship.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, to uh, to walk humbly with your God, to not walk humbly would be pride. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, to love mercy. Um, the opposite of that, not having a concept of your mercy, would. More than likely, work itself out in the work salvation. Mm -hmm. All three of those will lead you to inappropriate worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I was thinking about, I know for me, one of the areas that I'd be prone, and we so subtly make it about ourselves, and that even in the forms that I worship um, God in, I seek to impress other people by that yeah and so it could be subtle and you kind of touched on it ross you know subtly even as i'm trying to encourage somebody by maybe the way i do devotions you mm. know it's this this is the way to do it you know yeah. or look how often i do it or certainly in a public nature like my preaching or you know are other people going to be watching me as i'm singing or my eyes closed my hands up and you know this subtle way of of Diverting. I mean, I was thinking about being in a concert, you know, and you're there to see this band and everybody is listening to the band enthralled by the band. And then if I'm there going, hey, everybody, look at me, look at the way I'm enjoying this band, you know, like it's insane, right? Like, no, people are there to see the band and to redirect that. Um, but But I can subtly have people look at the worshiper instead of the one that we're actually worshiping. And you know, as far as how we guard against that, um, I know for me, mm. each Sunday morning. Um... Francis Chan had a series of seven questions that he asks himself before he gets up to preach and I've found I've adopted those and it would apply I think to just us in the morning as we because obviously worship doesn't mean singing songs it's the way we live our lives before our God and so you know he asked questions like you know am I seeking the praise of men or of God you know does what matters in my heart most what God thinks or what other people think about me um you know he asks questions like am I doing this out of love or, or am I self-seeking am I doing this in the past of the holy mm. spirit or my own cleverness my yeah. own abilities and when i ask those questions prayerfully before the lord each sunday morning it helps me you know tune my heart back toward um, worshiping correctly so having those checks we could develop a few questions that would be helpful for you each morning as you're with the lord you know to, yeah. to retune the, yeah, you know, the yeah. guitar yeah. strings of your heart
2: yeah and you know focus on the worshiper and not God, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. one of the verses that I also had come across is Hebrews twelve three. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, the author and perfecter who endured the cross. Mm-hmm. So you know, <laughs> getting back to our, you know, removing our pride and 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 you know, being humble, mm-hmm. yeah, loving true. loving the mercy He extends, yeah. yeah, and loving it to the point where we we also give it, yeah. So good.
1: so good, yeah. As, I mean, as you were saying, just uh, w- like uh, looking at one, fixing your eyes on Jesus who <laughs> endured the cross. That means uh, as we worship, as we behold, we be- we become like Jesus who oh, suffered. Okay. So, <laughs> which is a, not what w- a, a prideful worship wants. We mm-hmm. want to worship. We want to fix our eyes so that we skip that suffering part and get jump right to the resurrection part and mm-hmm. right to the glorification.
2: But what? What is the verse that says we make up the the the
0: remainder of christ's sufferings oh uh, yeah fill up like what was lacking yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 so i sounded weird yeah yeah that's a different podcast <laughs> <laughs> i think that
1: goes that's right in the same context as our mission statement or vision statement or completing statement. christ yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Well, we weren't able to answer all of the questions during the 35-minute sermon, but I think we did it now. I think we covered the whole text exhaustively. <laughs> if anybody has any more questions, that's on you, right? <laughs> no, so, we um, we would love this this week. We looking. We'll be sending out question. Uh, look the text for this coming week in Matthew 21 and 22. It's putting questions on Facebook. Might think about how to get those questions out to people who aren't Facebook users like Paul, um, but or myself. yeah, or Ross, I guess. So I'm one of the only, <laughs> um, but, and we also know, you know, this is uh, a little bit longer than our daily videos had been. And also don't expect you to be hanging on a video the whole time through. So we're making this available on audio as well. As you're driving in the car, mowing your lawn, we, we can come along with you and traveling in your ears. So um, for Ross and Paul, I'm Justin. Thanks for tuning everybody. And uh, we love you.